UX Podcast Episode 244. Hello, everybody. Welcome to UX Podcast coming to you from Stockholm, Sweden. We are your hosts, James Royal Lawson and Per Axbom. We have listeners in 194 countries from Bulgaria to Estonia. Nice. And today we are bringing you, for the first time in a long time, a topic show. You'll have to make do with James and mine voice throughout this episode. <laughs> trying to stick to a particular topic Mm. and that particular topic is going to be icons icons iconography pictograms what are we talking about really well we are talking about those little symbols that we as designers seem to love to use when we're making um, interfaces and what sparked, even though this is not a link show, um, it was actually a link that sparked a conversation mm. um, about icons. And um, we felt like it was time to bring it up. We've we've talked about icons mm, a fair few times over the years, and usually around hamburger icons, the, yeah. the, the <laughs> menu um, icon that we've um, uh, we love to hit um, as designers and. Um, that one we've um, we've brought up in least episode fifty seven and least episode mm. two hundred and one we talked about it a reasonable amount and the the problems surrounding it and we've also but talked about them from an accessibility perspective in that it's sometimes hard for people to understand them so why per why do we use icons I suppose, well, I mean, if if I talk to designers, there are, there are different answers. Uh, one would be they save space. Uh, and so when we have moved across to building mobile interfaces, I think uh, a lot of designers saw an opportunity to use icons to give them more space for their design work, to give people more work area space and move the menu uh, to the side, so to speak, but keep access to the menu by allowing people to access it through through icons. Uh, but I mean, icons have been around. It, it's been the same. I mean, if you look at Microsoft Word, the number of oh, icons yeah. I mean, in the, the toolbar is just, it's just mm. insane. Um, so it, it's always been, a, been a, something that designers are just love to do because it creates at least something. It's th- That means it's just not just words. It actually creates some sort of experience for the user. Uh, that sets it apart. So it's it's a it's a differentiator. So one app can differentiate it, differentiate itself from others by the design and by the app, by the design of the iconography, which means mm-hmm. that you can recognize apps also based on that. So it, they serve a purpose of recognition. Yeah, you've mm-hmm. got you you're right that you've, the saving space thing is probably the first thing everyone would mm-hmm. stick their hand up and say that mm-hmm. it's um, it, we try to do. And if if um, if you go back to like you said the example of Word, um, there's so many functions all available in various toolbars that you couldn't arguably do it any other way than using pictograms and icons yeah exactly um and aesthetics of course i think the branding or at least having a um a homogenous look and feel to something 
Mm. Um, you're using a particular icon set or you know you want all your icons to represent your brand or your feel of your product that's something mm. as well which um, I know we'd all probably list as one of the reasons yeah, exactly it's quite typical because as soon as one app changes all its icons I, I remember when iOS changed all the icons in the interface I mean there's an uproar across the internet and everybody has an opinion about it uh, so it, it's very emotional within the design world, uh, which is funny because I don't think it is as emotional amongst users. No, I mean, it's um, the, the, the other thing about what icons are is um, they often, so pic pictograms or icons, they try to convey meaning through a pictorial resemblance to something else, usually, mm. usually, but not all, not all the time, physical objects. Yeah. Um, and that, by having that connection to the real world and not to um, language, then another advantage that sometimes gets thrown up is the fact they don't need to be translated. Right, exactly, yeah. Words need to be translated and mm. in an interface that co usually means an extra cost or an extra um, step in the whole process. Mm. Um, now, yes, you don't have to translate the, the words, um, but that means you're requiring um, a cultural overlap. If you're, if you're dealing with an international product, then, then whatever um, uh, picture you're using as the icon to represent something, um, it has, there has to be a cultural overlap between the countries around that symbol mm. um, so that you do create shared understanding um, if, the, if there lacks a lingual um, overlap. But that in itself causes an interesting situation because a lot of symbols have a real load of dubious cultural baggage. Yeah. I mean, yeah. now I'm I'm thinking about the, um, it's not a computer icon, but the, the men at work sign that so oh, many yeah. countries still use for mm. roadworks. Mm. It's still a man with a shovel and a pile mm. of dirt. Mm. Um, we don't have so many women at work signs or person at work signs. Uh, I mean, even related to that, I think one of the most recognized uh, symbols in the world is uh, is the symbol for toilet at airports. Because, I mean, people from all around the world travel and they need to recognize where the toilets are. Uh, but even that one is becoming controversial as it's often not gender neutral, uh, which means that it's, it's funny. I actually give my students uh, this... Uh, <laughs> this exercise in in class where they actually have to redesign the toilet symbol and it's it's funny how how people sooner or later realize that that toilet symbol is actually not the symbol of a toilet it's people it's a people symbol and, and it's it's funny how the history of that how that has become the symbol for toilet but it's also but it's really just uh humans uh, well, so stereotypes, it, yeah. stereotypes of humans also but it doesn't represent mm. uh, what it is guiding you towards no, mm. uh, you're quite right. Mm. I mean, the thing you you hear talk mm. about how mm. the uh, the symbol for um, well the, the 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 symbol with the wheelchair that's used. Yeah. Um, it, does that mean that if I've got a broken arm, can I go in there? Mm. So so it's it, there are good examples of, mm. of the toilet symbols about um, context and interpretation. Um, are they universally understood? Do you really know? I mean, I know that we've we've joked about the toilet signs in Lisbon Airport. Um, oh yeah, that they um, they when we were there a few years ago, someone the, so the symbol for the Lisbon toilets, um, the the female toilet symbol is of a curvy thin woman. Mm. 
it's representing a curvy thin woman um, with trousers hmm. or at least not a dress yeah see and, and a lot of toilet symbols would have a, a dressed woman a woman with a dress on hmm. um, not saying whether that's right or wrong but someone had gone round every single sign that we saw in the airport that visit and drawn a dress on it so that was a, it's an interesting example of perhaps cultural clash, but also of something maybe not being universally understood. Did they add the dress because they were, they because they, they found that men had gone in because it looked too much like the male symbol? Mm. Or had someone decided it should have a dress because that's what it's always been like? There's so yeah. many questions you don't really know. Yeah. But I think it's a pretty good example of the, of the problem with that claim that everyone understands X icon. Mm. I think I, the, the the article I read many many years ago uh, had come to the conclusion that there are like two or three icons maybe that could be universally understood, uh, and one of them would be the heart sign. But Ooh. even but even then, now, that wasn't that wouldn't have been one of the ones I was expecting you to say. Oh, no, but the, but the, the thing is, they understand that it means heart. <laughs> but oh. I mean, I mean, the function of it uh, didn't wasn't. I mean, that wasn't what the research was about. So. Because that's interesting. Because the heart symbol in itself can sometimes be controversial. I remember when, when Twitter changed from the star symbol to the heart symbol, for likes, and people were upset because they didn't love what they were marking. They were just trying to remember it. Exactly. It, it implied suddenly the heart implant implied um, a response to yes. the content, exactly. whereas before the star was considered was more attached to to favorite which it mm. was called back then so it meant mm. saving it whereas the heart meant expressing a like yeah. so they're very two different they're two different features mm. the magnifying glass was actually what i thought you were going to mention right. um, that, that's that's sometimes given as the example of a universal icon um but it really doesn't hold up either because i mean i think you, you i've seen it used a fair bit to mean zoom exactly yeah I mean, even on Windows, the mm. the inbuilt photo viewer in Windows mm. has a magnifying glass with plus or minus um, as its icon mm. for for enlarging a photo and and using it. So if you use Photoshop, you'll ha maybe have a very different understanding of of whether that means search mm. or or zoom compared to someone else. Mm. Um, and I think um, if you've ever tested anything with children, they um, they don't necessarily have the same understanding of these universal icons as us exactly um and you know it's very very easy to say everyone understands a hamburger icon everyone understands um the search icon the print icon the home icon some of the, you know, these are the kind of ones that get thrown up I, I think a lot in conversations and even in in within context uh, you sometimes don't understand it um i remember someone telling me about how they were chatting with their mother online much in the same way that you and i are chatting now via video and he wanted her to activate video. And so he kept saying, press the camera icon, press the mm. camera icon. She, I can't see it, I can't, well, it has to be there. Uh, and five minutes later, she appears on screen with the camera on. Uh, and, and he was like, oh, you found the camera icon. No, I found the fish icon. Yeah. Because the, the camera icon, of course, with the rectangle and the triangular end, of course, looks like a fish to some people. Yeah, when I'm um, talking to my mum about um, uh, getting into settings on her Android phone, um, I realised that I needed to say the flower icon mm. because she can't like, she can't make out that it's a cog. She doesn't understand mm. it's a cog. To her, it looks like a flower. And exactly. since then, 
I kind of look at these cogs that we have for settings everywhere and I see flowers. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it's difficult. And what I think one of the things they, call, they say for this is it's the symbol grounding problem. So this is in cognitive understanding. And this is where mm. we need maybe Stephen Anderson here to, to talk about it. They're an awesome one. But um, the, basically our understanding of, of um, symbols letters in alphabets and so on and a lot of these symbols they they um, come from our learning starts at birth to recognize some of this stuff mm. so you you are spending an awful long time building up uh, your, your cognitive ability to recognize these symbols now if again you, you look at schools and, and children they first of all you learn capital letters because the the lowercase letters get a bit confusing because they look quite different, some of them, to the the, the uppercase ones. Yeah. And then maybe, if your country still does it, Sweden actually doesn't, but if your country still does joined up writing, then that's a third character set that you would try yeah. and learn in your country, in your mm. locality. Mm. Um, and, you know, this takes this takes most of your, you know, we're up to 12 years old, I suppose, when you get to that point where you're really getting quite good at recognising all this writing. Mm. So with some of these icons if we're talking about um you know glyphs and and letters as as icons as well you spend a good chunk of your childhood learning what they all mean and it's still not always straightforward you get something presented in a new font you actually can't tell the difference between certain characters right exactly yes yet we as designers seem to think that we can throw out new icons um you know left right and center and within a few years we're calling them universal mm. I think that's the gist of the problem what we're talking about really here is that we we keep seeing uh lots of designers saying how understood some of the icons they use are and they I think they are overconfident in how their users actually use those icons. It may be the case that the users are are adept at uh using the interface, but it could be very true as at the same time that they don't understand the icons at all. And so we we sometimes misunderstand ourselves what job the icon does for the for the person using the service sometimes it's just the recognition that is interesting whether or not the the meaning of the icon is there or not maybe sometimes even is irrelevant yeah um i mean it's um the the, the article that actually starts off the conversation was about the testing of icons mm. and encouraging you to test your icons um, which is which is completely correct. You, sh you should be testing your interfaces and mm. and um, see what response you get. Um, the article in question did actually talk about testing the the icons out of context. Yeah, I think that's uh, what got my attention in that one as well. The uh, fact me that too. you're yeah, and that you really. I mean, I think I've even fallen into this trap sometimes. That um, I, I remember working with a with a chatbot last year, and and they were, they were discussing so which icon should we use for the actual bot, the the person uh, per se that you're talking to? Should it be a robot? Should it be the face of a person, a sketched face of a person? Uh, and so they set out to actually test all those icons independently of the interface of the chatbot, right. which of course which of course means they are completely out of context. Uh, so what you would get in a study like that or in research like that is an understanding of that icon and what it means to a person without everything around it. Without Well, or you're going to have a question, aren't you, Bo? Hmm. I mean, that, that's the thing. When you present those icons, 
there's going to be a bit of text, presumably, above it, which says, um, choose which of the following best represents X. <laughs> yeah. You know, so so you, you, mm. you, you are creating some mm. kind of context, but it's not the context mm. of the actual interface. In that case, it was actually done person to person. So we were showing the, the, the icons to people. Ah. So it's just holding up the image and asking for responses to what they were feeling around it. Uh, <laughs> Which oh, it's like you get, get kind of like mm -hmm. you. It's almost like a, some kind of psychology thing where you're going to get right. all kind of things about their childhood and kind of. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's like a Rorschach blob, really. So, so <laughs> that tells you really nothing about how people uh, respond to that icon within the context of. In that case, it was a health bot, within the context of actually feeling ill, going online, finding a service where you describe your symptoms. I, that, I mean, you would never understand the icon in the same way when you're doing that as when you're seeing a big, of course, high-resolution image of that icon in a completely different context. Yeah, I think we put we place too much value in the meaning of icons outside their own context. Yeah, I mean, I um, I remember when I've done um, eye tracking tests. And something which it's just to see all the time was people fixate on words and faces. That was something you could pretty much, I know, I could, I could guarantee pretty much. I'd show you, show me a picture, and I'd say, oh, that, 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 and that. They'd look at based on whether it was the kind of key words of the task they were doing, or whether it was a person's face. Um, icons on the other side, that was more the position of them. That was mm. relevant. Right. That, mm. uh, I mean, some uh, you know, listeners out there can maybe even test this themselves. You can switch the icon on a on a on a button, um, but keep its position. And mm. uh, regular users, uh, at the very least, would not notice. Yes, exactly. I mean, if you're doing, mm. uh, I, mean, I work with an enterprise product, uh, which you know a, a typical user would be um, would be would be handling, like. Uh, 80 to 120 cases every single day using the system and you know they don't think about what's on buttons they just know where that button is at that point in their flow exactly because they've done it so many times they're mm. doing it five days a week 80 120 mm. times a day that's it's hundreds of times a week so that's mm. a lot of muscle memory exactly that actually makes me when you were saying there about I mean, icons also change meaning uh the icon's vicinity, how close it is to other icons, means that it can help take on the meaning. I, I wish I had a good example, but I know I worked on an interface a long time ago where the, the distance uh, to the, actually it was a, a magnifying glass icon to the search field. The, diff, mm -hmm. the distance to the search field made people interpret it in different ways because when it was, right. too, when it was too far away, they didn't understand it was a search box. Uh, it was something along those lines. But I'm, I'm assuming now also, as I'm thinking about it, that if you have different types of meaning icons next to each other, the closer they are, they will mean different things because they help each other take on the meaning of the other one. Yes. Mm -hmm. And if we mm -hmm. connect back to the, um, the symbols at um, Lisbon Airport, um, when you see those symbols for the toilets um, in isolation, it's difficult to tell that the female one was actually female. Exactly. It's only when you saw, uh, there's a sign where mm. all four of the symbols they use mm. um, are, in, are on the same sign. Then the male and female symbols together suddenly become 
different to each other. You can actually see the difference and you can start to understand, oh, right, they've made the female figure curvy. They've added mm. some hair to it, right. Mm. But without the male figure to contrast it to, mm. you can't, you don't get the same level of understanding. So what we tend to say in design then is that, I mean, to, f to help people fully understand the meaning of icons if they need to, you also need the label. You need to complement with labels. Uh, because when you do that, the meaning of the icon, of course, becomes apparent because you can also read uh, the meaning of it. The problem is that when people decide that, no, we don't have space for that, and so we're going to avoid it. Uh, I'm seeing this as a, a many-part process where you help people understand your interface and then allow them to remove parts uh, that they don't need anymore, such as turning off labels would be an example of that. But at the same time, the label mm. is essential to have there. You can't, mm. you can't not design the label. You can't not think about the label because mm. from an accessibility point of view, yeah. um, it, it needs to be included, even if you are um, um, turning it visually off. Exactly, yes. There is actually, um, well, this, there's very few standards to do with icons. Um, at least in the digital space, we don't have a huge amount of... Um, standards to go on but there is ISO 7001 which is the standard for public information symbols um, and that specific, uh, specifies graphical symbols for, for signage that's used as public information you know you'll recognize things like the exit symbol um, you know dangerous chemicals all those kind of ones that we see on lorries and things and, and public buildings those symbols mm. are all defined in the ISO 7001 mm. call on 2007 I think it is well, this mm. one um, but what what what's interesting, or what was an interesting um, aspect of that, um, is for a pictogram to be accepted as part of the standard, they have an acceptance criteria, and it was that eighty percent of people need to correctly recognise the pictogram, at least, and Ooh. less than ten percent of people can't get the incorrect so the reverse meaning hmm. so if we take the toilet example again if you have the symbol for a female toilet then 80 percent of people have to be able to look at that and go ah that's the female toilet and less than 10 percent have to say that's the male toilet yeah I guess that, you know, because 80 plus 10 is only 90. So I guess there's a kind of pot there where people go, don't know. And exactly. that's actually kind of maybe okay. Because yeah. don't know is not the same as being confident it's the opposite. But even 10% saying the opposite, that's quite a lot. Uh, yeah. 80% uh, <laughs> saying the correct thing is pretty high as well, Pat. Yeah, it is. It's very high. Yeah. So, so maybe, but that's an actually an interesting thing to take into usability testing. Mm, exactly. You know, can you can you get that kind of level of acceptance of your of your icon or understanding of your pictograms and icons when you're testing them? Um, it's a useful useful thing to bring up in a um, in a test um, mm. uh, or to observe how many people do get it. And I think even then, uh, I mean, also you, th you have to start thinking about things like not only the metaphor that you're trying to have it described, but also what color are you making your icon? Because that also you know, not only plays into accessibility, but I guess uh, certain icons can mean different things depending on what color they are. Because we always mm -hmm. use red uh, for warnings, but if the symbol itself means warning and you're using another color, does it mean still mean the same thing? Uh, mm. So there are so, so many aspects of just this small, tiny thing uh, that are really important, but I think we 
we treat them quite carelessly. Uh, we depend on them a lot uh, without really understanding how that, that can if they can affect people's interpretation or even their feelings towards you, depending on whether you have tested that icon in another, another cultural context where the icon itself can mean something completely different and even be offensive. Yeah, mm -hmm. again, talk, mm -hmm. I'm going on a lot about the Lisbon mm -hmm. toilet mm -hmm. signs, but mm -hmm. one of the issues there, I think there's a Reddit thread about it as well, that because it's a thin, curvy woman, mm. it's like, how does that make people feel who are not thin and curvy? Mm. And can it, can it, trigger, it could even trigger anxiety issues for someone when they mm. see that symbol and, and kind of feel excluded by exactly, it. Exactly, yeah. Um, so we, we have a lot of responsibility um, when it comes to designing icons. Um, you know, they're universal icons that span um, all ages, um, all languages, and all cultures. Mm. That's a big ask. We need, to be, we, need, we need to be really mm. careful as mm. designers when we start saying about universally understood icons and mm. ah, everyone knows what a hamburger icon is. Mm. Everyone knows what a setting icon is mm. because they don't. And we're now venturing even into like a space where we're using icons in communication with all our emojis. And I see that people are making more and more use of even emojis in, in, in titles of blog posts, in uh, newsletters, when they're communicating with their users in, in different contexts, they're adding emojis mm. without considering the effect of that emoji, whether people understand it or not. If the laughing laughing face is really crying as some, some people think that it's a tear or is it crying from laughter, um, that, can, that, can, that can have immense consequences for, for a person uh, trying to understand if you're being ironic or if you're actually expressing care. Uh, but people use them, again, ex they, they love to use them because they're fun mm. and they, they create attention. And, and I, I'm, I'm guessing now, again, you're starting to measure stuff and it, it, it shows that if you have an emoji in the title of your newsletter subject line, it will convert better. Uh, mm. That's an interesting mm. point. It makes mm. me think of as well the, the, the history and how we've um, applied or oh, we've kind of put icons into our interfaces that mm. you know, if we look at the web age then icons originally I guess we were using GIFs and and mm. image files yeah. that were um, were used in the in the web pages um, then we we went through a phase of using um, sprites do you remember we made those you made those canvases with several uh, icons all in one image oh yes of course just, yes and w with css you move oh. the the sprite the to visible the right area bit, so you only, yeah yeah so you just have the visible area in the window yeah. so you see through and move it all around um and then we had a we have a phase i think oh, it's still used in a lot of sizes things like font awesome where you use like you know um actual wet fonts that mm. instead of having letters in them you've changed all the letters to various symbols mm. Which I, I I know that has kind of all kinds of weirdness for um, for screen readers because of course they they read it so mm. you can end up with um, with your icon that's filled in the slot of an A being read out as an A even though it's kind of maybe the settings icon. yeah exactly but now though um, we're using more and more SVGs so the scalable vector graphics yeah um, in design and interfaces um, and they're really good because they're, they're they're just XML. They're just code. They're just kind of instructions on how you can draw something. So they they scale really nicely. They they look wonderful on giant screens and wonderful on tiny screens. Um, but the um, 
something that gets missed there is you the accessibility again um that you need to label them and you need to give details about them mm. so that they're they're understood by various technologies that help people exactly so so i mean essentially what you're saying is that i mean there's no set standard i mean yes it's more it more move, more people are moving towards svgs but most people aren't there yet and if you're just an editor on a web page you're not using svgs for adding your icons or emojis or whatever so it's the, the the complexity of it is actually growing, uh, especially mm -hmm. from an accessibility point of view. That understanding it uh, based on, on 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 context and based on your own experience and your own understanding of the icon, but also can you even see it? Can you even read it? Uh, do the colors match? Are you colorblind? I mean, how do we even get it right? <laughs> well, I think what you've just said that basically means that you've got to use words. Or at least you've got to you've got to start with the words and make sure those are the words are included in all the necessary places. Yeah. And you've got to remember that your icon is an add-on. Yeah. Your icon is something which you're 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 extending the meaning with a with um, an icon. You're not you're not replacing the textual description of that function with the icon. Exactly. Because as soon as you start taking away the words, mm. then you have lost people. You will cause confusion. Mm. But then we are also saying, because I mean, that that constitutes almost, I mean, 80% of the apps you download and start up, a lot of them have only icons as their menu bars, uh, mm. which is a huge problem. Uh, I mean, you can add the accessibility aspect of it. And actually, if you you activate screen readers, you can actually touch the icons and have it read to you. But if mm. you don't know how to do that, then you're stuck with an interface with icons that you just have to go through and test and see what they mean. And also, what's a menu icon? That's one thing we, I know we talked about yeah. before. I mean, just, <laughs> just, just now in front of me as I'm talking to you, I've got, I've got three dots horizontally. I've got three dots vertically. Mm. I've got a little arrow pointing downwards. Um, I've got a hamburger I can see over there as well. I mean, without even moving a window mm -hmm. on my desktop, I can see like four or five different things that symbolize. Yeah. Because I know, because I've pressed on them before and I've remembered it, um, they symbolize opening up a menu. Yeah. And it's sort of like, in the end, you stop caring, but you sort of know where to click. <laughs> well, you click on them all until you find the one yeah. that opens up the right thing. Yeah. I just hope it doesn't delete something. <laughs> So what's our message to uh, to all designers out there uh, about doing it and going about this in the correct way? Uh. Never say universal. Mm -hmm. And if someone does say universal, then uh, be ready to to take up the argument and and um, and think about how it might not be universal. Yeah. And don't test your icons out of context. Uh, because that tells you nothing about how they will be used within context. And always remember text. Text mm. is, you are textually describing things. The icons are not a replacement mm. for that. But also, I mean, the positive message, I think, I mean, you still have fun with them, but with it, with your users, not at your users. I mean, they can create lots and lots and lots of fun stuff as well and make people feel joy. That's what, a lot of pictures are for, but do it carefully. I mean, I, I know I have a lot of fun with mm -hmm. the, the Slack um, status icons. 
Like you can oh, change really? your icon in Slack to whatever you like. So, you know, in the in the spring mm. when I'm growing stuff in the garden, I have a carrot. Now, during the summer, I've had a kind of big, big sun hat. Mm. Um, so, you know, allowing allowing your users to play and to use stuff to choose things themselves can um, can be well can be a real plus. So, if you want something to listen to next. Uh, you can actually go all the way back to you found one episode thirty one. Yeah. Oh, that has to be. I mean, that's it's a like long... two thousand twelve or something. Yeah, it's um, yeah. it's a long, long, long time ago. Um, it's when it's two thousand twelve. You're right. It's mm. November 20, 2012 when we mm. talked to um, Derek Featherstone, mm. um, and we talked to him about infographics. Yeah. And how you can make them more accessible. Scary thing is that's hugely relevant still. Yeah, I mean, mm. I remember that. I think it was you that um, you created an infographic um, about inclusion or something. Oh yes, <laughs> and oh, I wow. I mocked you for the fact yeah. that you had created yeah. um, a, a, an inaccessible infographic about inclusion or something yeah. like that. I, I'll have to listen back myself and yeah. remember the details. <laughs> so but then, of course, we talked to Derek. <laughs> yeah, who is an expert in accessibility yeah. and has been for uh, many decades mm. now. Mm. If you can spare a little bit of your time, then you can join our little community of volunteers. Um, we're always looking for help with transcripts and also with publishing. So um, just get in touch with us um, anywhere where you know you can, from email to Twitter um, or even Facebook or LinkedIn. Remember to keep moving. See you on the other side. So, James, why did the man fall down the well? I don't know, Per. Why did the man fall down the well? Because he could not see that well. Oh. Maybe it lacked a li- maybe it lacked a text label. <laughs>